When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on VolQuest. Good Thursday morning, everybody, and welcome into it. This is the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast, each and every Thursday here at VolQuest.com. VolQuest on the YouTube channel, if you haven't already, if you're listening, if you're watching us right now and you haven't joined us over at VolQuest.com, not sure what you're waiting on, the best recruiting nuggets in the game, the best team news, you can find it all in the General's Quarters and over at VolQuest.com. And, of course, please subscribe to VolQuest on YouTube if you haven't already. we got Brent Hubbs, Rob Lewis, Matt Ray. I am Eric Kane. we got a whole lot of questions to get into. But first, a big thank you to our proud sponsors, Exterior Home Solutions. A free estimate. Go ahead and give them a call today at 865-524-5888. That's a free estimate at 865-524-5888. A lot of questions. We'll go ahead and start with a little offensive line talk from uh, Size Vol. Offensive line seems to be the biggest question mark on offense this year. Where would you rank all five starting offensive line spots, one through five? One being the most worrisome, five being the least worrisome. Brent Hubbs, you want to take a crack at this? Well, at five, I would go center because I'm not worried about Cooper Mays there. Um, I will go Javante Spragans at guard with the amount that he's played. He's a four or five. I'm not worried about that one. Um, if you're talking about specifics, I think there is some depth um, at the guard spot, not necessarily at center. So my concern about center would drop significantly if Cooper Mays got hurt. Um, I think both tackle positions um, until somebody is proven there um, is a concern. So that's a low number for me um, at, at both tackles. I think John Campbell will be okay. Uh, but I've got to see him play in this league. And, uh, you know, they split time with the other two last year. So I, I don't I don't think they're a one, but I don't think they're a five in terms of your comfort level either. Uh, both, you know, both those guys in Mincy and J.J. Crawford can get better. Um, but, you know, the biggest thing is just finding two tackles. Um, I think elsewhere they're going to be okay. Uh, the other guard spot, which is up in the air, they got enough bodies there that I think they'll find somebody and, and be comfortable, Rob, whether that's Addison Nichols or – Ollie Lane or whoever. I mean, there's enough bodies there to work with. It's just the, Carrick, Carrick, the kid from the, the Texas yeah, transfer. Andre Carrick. It. So it's just, it, to me, it's the the low tackle. number in terms of worries is the tackle position. Yeah, I mean, I don't have anything to add. I mean, you, you know, it's not the, a horrible – you know, Crawford and Mincy have both played. You know, Campbell obviously you know, played at, at Miami. So it's – it's not like the cupboard is completely bare, but you just, you know, you got to have some guys step up and at tackle and you kind of make it theirs. All right. Let's one, a, go ahead. Let's a, oh, go ahead, Brent. I was just going to say one, one side last year, you just never had to worry about mm-hmm. and Darnell Wright. I mean, it was just, it's never, it was never even a thought about, Hey, get somebody over there to chip or to help. I mean, that side was handled. You know, it was like, if we need to do something on the left side, we can bring a tight end over but we don't have to worry about the right side until you're proving yourself right now. 
you may feel like you need a little help on both sides, which is really hard to do from a protection standpoint. Yep, I would agree with that. Let's go to recruiting, HSV Vol. Uh, if they can land Singleton and Spillman, where would you rank the past two linebacker classes on paper compared to the past, Matt? Man, if, if you land both of those guys in this class and you pair them with an Arion Carter, Jeremiah T. Lander, Jalen Smith, uh, it's back-to-back you know, -back probably the best two classes I can think of in recent memory. I mean, just some guys that can do a lot of things sideline to sideline and, and really help you. Um, also – and guys that can cover. Uh, I mean, and, you know, if you, you start talking about Tylen Singleton, if, if you bring him into this class, you know, he, he reminds me a lot of, you know, Arion Carter in the way that he can move very fluidly and, and do certain things in and around the box. I mean, some schools are recruiting to play strong safety, right? So, um, to me, if you're Tennessee, that's what you want to see at the linebacker position. You want to get faster sideline to sideline and really, you know, be able to disrupt havoc. And I think all those guys can do that. Let's go to CB Vol, uh, Rob Lewis. More likely to happen in 2023. One Tennessee running back goes for 200 plus yards in a game, or 2,200 yards rushing by the season from the entire running back corps. I think both of those are very possible because it's easy to have one guy just shoot up and have a day, right? Well, he's he's saying they they have 2,200 total rushing yards for the season as a team. Yes. No, that's a lock. Yeah, because they had they had almost twenty six last year. I mean, they average they're going to average two hundred plus a game. I mean, this they, they've done that. I mean, did that last year, and, or they're going to average right around two hundred a game. So that that's that's an absolute lot. But I would, I, I think there's a strong possibility somebody goes for two hundred as well. I mean, you, I mean, you look at the Vanderbilt game last year. I mean, I don't think that was an outlier for what this offense could do when they get you know get a defense on their heels, but. I think both those scenarios are pretty likely. But de definitely 2,200 total yards in offense, for sure. Yeah, I would agree with that. Brent, if, if Jalen Wright could have got maybe two, three more carries, he probably would have clipped 200 in that Vanderbilt game, right? Well, I mean, again, all it takes is one long run. You know, yeah. all of a sudden you're putting yourself in a, you know, in a total different position. You know, you, 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 you break off an 80-yard run, and, and it doesn't take long to, for those things to, to add up. But I think if, if you're looking at – the, the likelihood of things happening, you're looking at the last two years and the fact that this team from the get-go has been able to run the football uh, as effectively as they have been. Um, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't see them getting, I don't see anybody just lining up and stopping them outside of maybe Georgia who did it a year ago. Um, I just don't think that, I think you're worried so much about sideline to sideline with the, the passing game that it frees up so many gaps in the inside. Um, and, and I think, Hey, Matt, I think what you're seeing too is you're seeing backs and offensive linemen get a better feel for the run game. And, and I think that's why you saw, for the most part, the run game be better in year two than in year one because, you know, the backs have a feel for where those gaps are going to be and the offensive line has a better feel for how to block the run game. Yeah, absolutely. It doesn't feel, it, it doesn't feel like you're a fish out of water out there anymore, right? You know, you know what, you know what to expect. You know where your linemen are going to be. You know where that hole's going to be. Um, and, and you're confident. In it. And I think the biggest thing for any running back, I mean, especially some guys that are younger, uh, is, is to find that confidence level um, when, when you're running behind your offensive line and, and know that you may not get smacked in the mouth at the line of scrimmage every single time that you take a handoff. And, and I think that's been big for Tennessee under Josh Heupel. Well, I'll see where the poster's going with this because I, I actually pulled up the PDF stat sheet and we won't spend too much more time on this, but Tennessee – um, as a team, 2,593 rushing yards last season. 
You take out 430 by Hendon Hooker. Take out 77 by Joe Milton. That brings you pretty close to that 2200 mark, you know, from just the running backs, if you will, uh, in this group. So it could be close, but I would still say Tennessee's running back room could probably eclipse 2200, uh, in, in my opinion. Let's go to uh, next up. We'll go um, Texas Vol. Matt, will this year's class be similar to last year where 90% were in the boat before the season started? And who is the it guy who other guys can follow and uh, who other guys want to follow and come play with? Yeah, you know, I think that's a really good question. Um, and I think this weekend coming up goes a long way in determining the answer to that question. Uh, you look back to last year and, you know, wasn't a lot of movement coming out of that weekend, you know, on, you know, right away. But when you look at the guys that were here, they formed a bulk of that class. Um, you know, that's the hope for Tennessee again this weekend. That's what they want to see happen. Um, you know, and I think with the way the recruiting calendar shifted, um, a month of June for official visits and July for decision, you know, during that dead month, I think there's a good chance you see Tennessee's class fill out. I think there's a good chance you see a lot of classes across the country fill out during that time. So, yeah, I think, you know, 90%, I don't know that it gets, you know, that far done because there's some guys that, you know, Tennessee's going to be in on until the very end and that may not make it a decision until later in the fall or in December. I mean, like Marquez Easley, he's a guy that's not going to make a decision until the fall. Ron Wingo's talked about not making a decision until the fall. You know, Mike Matthews, he could be a July decision. He could be a fall decision. So there, there's some guys that you, you just don't know where things end up at. Um, what was the second part of that question, Eric? Who was the it guy in this class? Last year it was Nico. Maybe it didn't turn out the way we all thought it would. Is it Jake Merklinger this year, the it guy in the class? Uh, you know, that's tough. I, I, I don't know. I don't know right now that there is an it guy in the class. Um, you know, sitting on the outside of the class, um, you know, if you were to land – a Mike Matthews, a Williams, one area, you know, I think guys want to play with those guys. Uh, they're, they're both very likable recruits that are very well respected. So if Tennessee's able to get one of those guys in the summer, then I think you see some of that. Um, but, you know, that it factor to me, and I know there's a lot of talk about that going on right now at Georgia with Dylan Rayola. And, and it's just so hard to, you know, really see that come about. I think in today's day and age, especially guys are doing – exactly what they feel like is best for them it's not about following a a certain recruit and nil as well yeah i mean that's, yeah just can't can't overstate that impact yeah no doubt not just in football too uh brent i, I would like to add you know the first cycle when hypo was here you didn't have enough time to get it all done before the season right so you were very much i mean you're always recruiting but you were very much adding to your class during the season um, this past season, you were in a good spot to where you could have it almost completely done. But in both of those cycles, um, you know, Josh Heupel and his staff, they've closed pretty well. You know, last year, getting Aaron Carter, David Hobbs the year before that. Uh, Justin Williams-Thomas was the late ad. That was a big win. James, James Pierce, Pierce was a big ad. Um, Tyree West. I think this staff's done a really nice job of closing uh, each of the last two cycles. Well, and in reality is you just never stop recruiting. I mean, yeah. you could say you want to have it done and at the end of June and, and all those things. But the fact of the matter is you're going to continue to recruit. Um, maybe it's a guy who's not going to make an early decision. Uh, maybe it's a guy that you find a little bit later. I mean, Arian Carter is a great example of that. I mean, he if he makes a summer decision, he's a running back at Memphis right now uh, is where he's at if he sticks with his summer decision. So, 
I think the thing that this staff and this program has done is they've always continued to evaluate. Uh, they haven't said, hey, we got our 25 on August 1 and we're done. They've continued to evaluate looking for guys. And quite frankly, if you can trade up, you trade up for some guys. And that's that's the way of the world in recruiting. And uh, I think this staff has done a good job finding guys later in the process who have been good players. And I think they've done a good job of just recruiting to the finish line, which you have to do. Let's go to Hardhat Vol. What is the status of some injured players from spring? Will they be full go at the start of camp, or do we uh, have guys who will have to be brought along slowly? Guys like Brew McCoy, Brandon Turnage. Um, he mentions there David Hobbs is one of those guys. Uh, Jabari Small would be one of those guys. I would assume, uh, for, for the most part, you know those guys are going to be ready to go, Brent, by by fall camp. They were they were cautious with a lot of those guys, and of course, a couple of those guys had off season procedures. Yeah, I mean, you know, Brew McCoy's been out of a brace and, and is basically full go. Now they're going to be smart. They're not going to beat some of these guys up. Yeah. Um, you know, Hobbs, they want to get as much contact work for him as soon as he gets cleared for all the contact work because, you know, that's a defensive lineman from high school. He's got to learn how to play low and get indoctrinated to the world of Rodney Garner, uh, which he will get as soon as the trainers say go uh, on him. But, I, you know, I don't think they're going to have a bunch of limited guys. I think they'll be cautious with some guys. But I don't think that they're going to have a bunch of guys who are limited because of lingering injuries. I just think they're going to be smart uh, with some guys in some key positions because you just don't want to get anybody hurt in August if you can avoid it. But there'll be some maintenance days in fall camp. Yes. We've seen a couple of those. Good, good ways to phrase it, maintenance days. We've seen a couple of those the last uh, couple of fall camps with Jerome Carvin and some of these other guys. It's, it's load management. That's like what, what AP is doing right now. Got to hit the links. Can't, can't be on camera too much in the month of May. I got you. Govals182 says over under five and a half on the number of top 100 players in this class, Matt. That's tough. I mean, especially right now in May. I mean, Several more rankings updates between now and then. So Matt um, says under. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, the, the potential is definitely there for the over, right? You know, uh, as of where guys are ranked today, I would take the over right now. Um, but we'll see you know, what ultimately ends up happening. It's just so hard to predict. And yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, people don't realize how quickly things change. You know, I mean, a month ago, Tennessee was basically leading for Jaden Riddell. Two months ago, they definitely were leading for Jaden Riddell. Had the conversation with him in the complex about it. Um, and, and, and you know, now he's committed to Georgia. And, and he was scheduled, I mean, as of 48 hours ago, 72 hours ago, he's scheduled to be in Knoxville this weekend. Um, you know, I, I answered the question on the message board um, Wednesday morning when I asked about him, like, you know, did Tennessee survive the Georgia weekend? And my reply was, yeah, he's supposed to be here. And then a AP comes in and answers in a total different way. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. You and I have talked about Jaden Riddell 24 hours ago. Like, what's the It's Oh, it's changed. It's changed in the last 14 hours. And that's recruiting. That's why predictions – and I'm not trying to take a cop out. That's why you just – it's hard to predict because, I mean, it literally can change that fast to the good or it can change that fast to the bad depending on what school you're, you're, you're a part of and, and, you know, in the recruiting process. And again, there are a lot of, you know, top targets that we talk about all the time that are still, you know, uncommitted, you know, some of the biggest fish Tennessee's oh. after you, you bring in, you know, a couple of those that changes a whole lot of things. Uh, 
Good question for Rob and Brent here. Uh, Rob, this is for my hard balls. How much has the in-state high school talent improved in the last oh. decade, and what has to happen to get it to that next level? It's just, it's, it's not even close. I mean, the yeah. last decade, go back 10, 15 years ago. I mean, golly, Hubbard, I mean, there were some – I mean, I'd have to go look in 2000. I mean, there, there were some years there probably weren't five kids, in-state kids in a class. Is that wrong? I mean, I, I mean, to, to think you could get to 10 – you'd be taking, you, you know, you'd be doing your high school gym teacher a favor, you know, signing, you know, maybe somebody's, somebody's son. It's, it's night and day. I mean, and, it, and it's not just the mid-state. I mean, cause that, that was the easy answer, you know, for several, you know, Murfreesboro's blowing up, Nashville's blowing up and that, and that's part of it, but you've seen the, the talent in East Tennessee, you know, which is pretty much non-existent for, for years. I mean, now, you know, there's two or three, you know, SEC type kids in, you know, in Knox County and, you know surrounding areas every year so it's 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 night and day and i think you know Rob, it's a big uh, deal uh, for tennessee 11 or 12 years ago uh when, when i was playing high school in this area it was devon young who was a d1 talent the kid from sullivan south quarterback there was always a guy i felt like at west but that i mean that, that's pretty much it and, and then now you've got a couple i mean you've got division one talent all over the place brent here in east tennessee well and i mean no offense to devon young but that was a that was a reach when tennessee sure. yeah I mean, that was one of those type deals. He had another offer, and I think Tennessee was like, hey, in-state, you know, local kid, we got to get those things done. I mean, you look at him, and there are two, there are two NFL-wide receivers right now who played in, in, in basically Anderson County. I mean, you know, when, when you talk about Amari Rogers playing at Catholic and you, you got T. Higgins playing at Oak Ridge, and they're both in the National Football League. Um, you know, Harrison Smith's still in the National Football League. I mean, it's gotten it's gotten better and better and continues to, to get better. It's never going to be Texas, Matt. It's never going to be Georgia. It's not going to be Florida. But I tell you right now, it's a heck of a lot. It's a heck of a lot better than it's ever been. The downside to it is it's a heck of a lot more challenging to Tennessee than it's ever been because there's a lot of transient people in the state of Tennessee now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean – when you're Tennessee and, and you you look at that and the way that you've got to try to recruit and a lot of this talents at, at private schools um, across the state and I think that makes it even harder you know a lot of times because like you said the, these folks move in from you know outside the state they don't have ties um, but that doesn't change the fact that they're a really good player um, they're now an in-state recruit and if, if you're Tennessee you're supposed to go land them um, and, that's a, and, that's, and that's every state don't get me wrong but here, especially, I just think it makes it so much more challenging um, to do that. And the talent's got so much better over time and should only continue to get better. Um, but like you said, it's not going to be the state of Georgia. It's not going to be the state of Florida. Um, but it's definitely, you know, catching up to the Alabamas of the world, uh, you know, some some other states that have produced really good talent over time that have found themselves with the guys in the National Football League. And, I, and the challenge, you know, not so much Nashville, really, but I mean, in, historically, so much of the talent has been, you know, in the western part of the state, Memphis, and I don't know. Me and Brent, you and I have said this a million times over the years. I mean, how many SEC schools can you get to from Memphis quicker than you can get to Knoxville? I mean, a, a bunch, and that's always been, you know, the challenge. But the good news for Tennessee that you know the talent is not as concentrated there as it was 15 years ago. We'll move on now to Doolittle Vol. Uh, says, I always thought Tennessee was a Louisville slugger school, but I've noticed several of the guys swinging DeMarinis. Uh, uh, I've been noticing some guys making the switch during the season. Is that something the player 
Is it given the choice to swing or is it school related? To my knowledge, and again, I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not an expert on this, but to my knowledge, and I, I checked on it, t- Tennessee is a Louisville slugger school. Uh, that's what they use for the bats, and they use Wilson, you know, Brandon gloves. And so that was kind of the response I got when I checked on that. Um, I'm not watching every every guy's bat, but it's a Louisville slugger school uh, is what Tennessee is. We'll go to Rocky Top T. Will we finally get some good safety play this year? If so, I think we have to replace some experience with some better talent. I think you guys know who I'm talking about. Brent, what do you think about the safety position? Uh, do we know enough now to believe that there could be some uh, snap sharing back there where there hasn't been any the last couple of years? I feel like Bill Murray and driving the car, and there's a groundhog right here in front of me. Because Don't of drive angry. Question. Don't drive yeah, angry. This question, this question is going to be out there. Uh, has been out there. I'm not making fun of the question, but it, it's going to linger. I mean, uh, until I, I'm going to, I'm going to borrow, I guess, AP's answer. Until I see it, uh, I'm going to say that they're going to go with experience. Um, I think that to get more athletic, then then they need to make, you know, they need to go with some younger guys. But you know, Willie Martinez, Tim Banks, who are going to put the guys out there who they think are the best five, and we'll see what those best five look like. Uh, I don't think it's a lock that McCullough's a starter, and that's what he's asking about. I mean, let's be transparent here. I don't think that it's a lock that he starts, even though he's got as much experience as he has, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, part of that's going to depend on who the corners are. Um, You know, Wesley Walker is going to start at one safety spot. The other safety spot, you know, is that do they, do they find two corners they like better and they move to Nico slaughter to safety? Does Jordan Thomas with his little of experience beat out an experienced guy at safety? We'll see. I mean, I think part of that just depends on what the puzzle looks like on who your best five are uh, when you get yourself midway through fall camp and, and start to really sort some things out and settle in. What does Andre Turrentine look like? What does Christian Charles look like back at safety? I mean, you know, Christian Charles got 15 practices at safety over the spring. What's he look like in fall camp? Um, I think those are some things to follow during during fall camp. Uh, big thanks to Exterior Home Solutions for making this coverage of the VolQuest mailbag possible. We'll answer some more of your questions uh, here on the other side. But first, a word from Exterior Home Solutions. You know, life happens, and damage to your home can be extremely stressful. That's why it's important to find someone who offers efficient, quality work with financing options. Exterior Home Solutions, they value not only family, but community. And they're who I call when life happens, and you should too. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Got a couple here from Athrun. We'll go ahead and start um, with Matt. A couple recruiting. What is the standing with offensive tackle Marquez Easley? Yeah, important visits coming up. I mean, that's in, in my opinion. You know, he wants to make a decision in October. Um, has had a date set for a while. Um, I can't remember if it's around a senior night or a birthday or so. It's it's something to do in October around the 16th or 18th. Um, but these official visits are really going to kind of tell the story for him, in my opinion. Um, Tennessee has done a good job there with him to this point. He's a guy that, you know, I think 
can do a lot of things that they want at the offensive tackle position in this offense. Um, but as he gets out and sees more campuses, we'll see where things go. It feels like Alabama and Georgia are the primary competitors there right now. Um, but, you know, Marquez easily was impressed with Tennessee when he was down here in April. Um, he's continued to relate well with Glenn Ellerby. Um, and I think the Vols have a, have a real shot in this recruitment right now. Daniel Hill, is he going to make it in this weekend? Uh, he's supposed to. We'll see. Um, <laughs> I, I checked with him um, Saturday or Sunday, and he was he was supposed to be here. Um, there's going to be a week between that, though. So he was supposed <laughs> to be here in January, and he was supposed to be here in March. Um, but this one seems a little bit more firm, um, and, and he seems a little bit more firm in his stance. So he, he tentatively, yes. Chances with wide receiver Wesco, legit or no? Um, yeah, got to get him to campus. You know, that June official visit's going to be important. Um, you know, how much staying power does that give you? And then what's his decision timeline like based, you know, a- after that, you know, um, do you need to get him back to campus in the fall, let him see a game day atmosphere? I think that's something that would certainly help. Um, but, you know, I think, he, he hasn't been here before, to my knowledge. Um, so that June official visit is going to be – that June 23rd weekend is a huge weekend for Tennessee on the recruiting calendar. And getting him here and making a good impression is going to be uh, really important as well. And then you know, let's just see how, how soon he decides. Guys have, guys have made a, a quick decision with really only one visit. Um, so it's possible. He, he's definitely intrigued, you know, with – talking to the people I've talked to in the Midwest. They think he wants to go somewhere and catch passes. Um, and he, he likes Tennessee, but we'll see what comes of it. And then last one, uh, thoughts on who could potentially come off the board coming out of this weekend. I think Matt, it's still, um, I mean, obviously you'll, you'll, you'll get some guys who are really filling the weekend and you'll take them if they want to jump in, but this is more planting the seed for June, right? Yeah, I think I think this is more about you know building towards June official visits, reestablish them with a lot of guys, and you know really trying to close out for what will likely be a lot of of July decisions and getting a and this weekend's going to be important again about getting a feel where some guys are. A, a Tylen Singleton, he's going to be here in June. He hasn't officially put out what date that's going to be yet, but then what's his decision timeline look like based off of that? Because if you're Tennessee, you know, you're right now you're balancing the number of linebackers you want to take. Jordan Burns wants to make a decision in July. Edwin Spillman's kicked around July. Um, you know, I think Tennessee's at a great spot for both of those guys. So uh, you, you've got to get some answers to some things this weekend. But, yeah, I'm like you, Eric. I think it's more about building toward June right now. Well, remember this, too. I mean, m- most guys have a decision date in mind that they want to make their announcement. There's not a ton of, you know, Rob, the old Sunday night, let's, let's call the eight visitors and see who jumps in the boat type deal. I mean, these guys are committing on their birthday or their mom's birthday. They've got, they've got, they've got a date planned in mind to make their announcement um, and, and kind of do their deal. You don't get a ton of just kind of off the cuff, you know, kind of spur things. You get some, I mean, I'm not saying that, that, that you can't get any, but a lot of these guys have a decision date in mind and, and emotionally don't generally jump in when, when they've got that date in, in entrenched in their mind on when they're going to do something. Yeah. And I was going to say, especially this time of year, I mean, I, I think the kind of stuff you're talking about is more 
like an official visit when you, you get the full court press thrown on you. Maybe you're here for a home football weekend and just, you know, we're blown away or really, really liked your recruiting hostess, maybe. But yeah. You, you want to get you want to get your commitment graphic, your your video if you're doing one. Yes. Those are all things that you know you want to get laid out. And and it's hard. It's hard for a coach in May, at the end of May, to, as Rob was talking about, to come in and say, "Hey, we're o- we're only taking two. One's in the boat. You got to get. You got to go now, or or we're moving on." You know, if it's a quality player, I mean, that, that you're not seeing a lot of coaches putting the screws on people Memorial Day weekend, um, like you would in January, as Rob was talking about back in the old days, or even now, you know, late fall. Hey, we got to have an answer now, or we've got to move on. That. Coaches can't sell that very well in the month of May. And then sometimes you talk to these kids, like last year at the Memorial Day event, and sometimes just coming off a weekend thing, and they're they're just gushing over Tennessee, well, and they're all but saying that they're who, coming here, but they won't tell you. Who and they was won't the commit. kid last year? However, that I told me that and ended up. It was Tennessee. Penn, the kid was from Alabama. Uh, was, um, edge player like, Leo. Um, yeah, it was like Tennessee, Penn State. I mean, he liked State, the cold, Rob. He liked he, the weather. I mean, like Memorial. After, I can't remember who, which kid it was, but after Memorial Day, I mean, it was. I mean, it was a lock. I mean, he was. And you know, now I don't even think Tennessee was the leader at the end of June. <laughs> no, it was going to Penn State. <laughs> I mean, I think. I mean, you look back to that that weekend last year. I mean, I think when we all left there that day, we knew John Slaughter was coming to Tennessee. Yes. Yeah, you and I but talked he, about that. We we're like, that kid's coming, one hundred percent. He didn't want to tell anybody. I fly to Vegas a, a week later and. He's telling everybody that'll listen that <laughs> yeah he, he's coming to Tennessee and he's announcing it on this date. I'm like, man, I just saw you, just saw you five days ago. Like, it's just it's it's a process for these kids and a lot of it nowadays about social media buzz and, and creating following and everything. And it's valuable to you, right? I mean, you're creating nil dollars sure. based off of that i was gonna say now more than ever rob with with creating value for yourself a social media following for yeah. possibilities I mean, in image and likeness. if you've got twenty thousand instagram followers you're a lot more marketable than the kid would you know it just has his mom and dad and kids from his high school his yeah. followers uh gbo farms can tennessee win 10 games if joe milton can't hit the deep ball consistently can this offense be designed to excel throwing only short and intermediate rob I mean, with what we've seen from Heupel in two years, I got to think that he could win with, you know, multiple quarterback styles. But I, I mean, I just, I, I don't know that I see Joe turning into a short and intermediate robot. I mean, do you guys? I mean, I think, I, I, even if he improves dramatically, which I, I think Joe will be much better this year, I still just think with with that cannon, that, that arm cannon. I mean, there's just going to be some times where he uncorks one, and you're like, man, where, you know, where was he throwing that thing? I mean, I, I don't care how much better he gets. I, I just think. When you're working with what he's working with, I think every every once in a while it's going to get away from you. Yeah, and but at the same time too, I mean, he hit a deep ball against Vanderbilt to Jalen Hyatt mm-hmm. before it got really nasty and rained. And, and and look, they throttled that thing back. They let him keep th- keep throwing deep balls, but they took the intermediate stuff away from him because they didn't want to take a chance on Vanderbilt getting a cheap one. Uh, he hits Keaton for a deep ball um, in the bowl game. He had a couple of deeper throws in the back of the end zone for touchdowns. I think to answer my version of, of the question and looking at it is I, I think for Josh Heupel's offense to be a quote record setting offense and to be um, what it's, what is designed to be and what everybody perceives it as being, they've got to have a vertical passing game. Now, does that mean it's, it's all nine routes and, and straight bombs or is that, 
seam stuff down the middle, deep square ends. It's a lot of things like that. But they've got to press the ball beyond 15 yards on a consistent basis if this octane, if this offense is going to run at any kind of octane level that Tennessee fans have enjoyed watching the last two years. And I think Joe can handle that. I mean, I do. I, I think Joe's improved. And, and I, I don't worry as much about that as, um, you know, the narrative was about him, you know, two years ago. The most impressive throw that Joe Milton's made to me since he's been at Tennessee is is the dart in the bowl game to, to Brew McCoy. If you can make that throw consistently, you know, like you said, Brent, 15, 18, 20 yards down the field, uh, you, you can stretch defenses thin. Um, if, if you can throw across the middle of the field, um, the, the vertical passing game is going to open up even more because those safeties have to honor it. Um, you, you put corners on more of an island, and, and Tennessee's got speed at the receiver position. And to me, I just think either Joe Milton, I agree with Rob. There's just going to be times where he, he uncourts one, the adrenaline's pumping. It's squirrel white. I'm not overthrowing squirrel white. And it's just going to get away from him. But, I mean, I, I do think Joe Milton's capable of doing what Tennessee wants him to do, you know, moving forward. I will get a couple more here. LF Vol says, from your recent comments, uh, we seem to be in a good spot, uh, AP and Matt. Uh, seem to be in a good spot with O'Connell, Satter, Satterwhite, and Anderson in the interior. Would they take all three and anticipate some transfers out of 2023? Yeah, they would take all three of those guys right now. Um, I don't know about the transfer piece of the puzzle, but I know if you're Tennessee, I think you don't plan on – you know, Javante Spragans and, and Cooper Mays coming back and using their extra year um, next season. So you you attack it like you want. And, and Tennessee's going to take a number of guys on the offensive line. And those three guys, you know, on the interior are guys that they really covet. Well, you look, I mean, they're going to lose up to seven guys on the offensive line. And that's, those aren't transfers. No. I mean, when you think about it, I mean, you look at where Campbell's at, you look at where Mincy, you look at Crawford. Uh, you look at Cooper Mays, you look at Javante Spragan, you look at Ollie Lane, you look at Jackson Lampley. I mean, that's seven right there. I mean, you, you got to go heavy in this class to continue to build your depth and hope some guys don't transfer out because you don't want to be that thin in numbers. That They're losing a lot on the offensive line. That's why that, that recruiting class on the offensive line may go as far as six or seven guys out there. So, yeah, all those that three of those guys want to come. They'll absolutely take them today if they want to jump in the boat. Rob, we're talking about taking six or seven offensive linemen. What year was it that Derek Dooley didn't take one? Was it 2012? Was it 12? I can't. I mean, I remember it happening. But, and then, <laughs> what was the what was the analysis on that, guys? I, I mean, can't remember. But how but, dumb was that? And I, I don't mean to say anything bad about this this kid or young man now because I always enjoyed him, but the. To make, like to even add to the punchline, Hubbard, like he doesn't sign an offensive lineman in one class, and then I guess the next year, whenever they sign Cody Pope, he signs he signs an offensive lineman. It's a vegetarian <laughs> so, who was who was thirty five pounds underweight to, to begin with. Maybe the only vegetarian to ever play offensive line in the SEC, Cody Pope, who was always a pleasure to deal with. Cody, if you, if you hear this, not a not a knock on you, just they're daily classics. <laughs> Oh, all right. Let's go to Sam Smith, 2233. Uh, Caden, your expert opinion, assuming we don't host, uh, where you where do you expect Tennessee to be sent? Regionals projections, they're all over the place. I mean, anybody that follows college baseball knows that. Uh, Tennessee will be one of the higher two seeds. I don't anticipate Tennessee hosting after being one and done in Hoover. 
Um, Tennessee will be one of the higher two seeds, so that means it will be sent to one of the lower-ranked hosts. Um, you know, Coral Gables was, you know, Miami was the one that was uh, projected for Tennessee entering last week, but two weeks before that it was uh, Morgantown, three weeks before that it was Clemson, uh, Coastal Carolina uh, is one that's kind of trendy, but a lot of times these projections, they'll kind of get right in terms of the host teams, but from there it's just... I mean, it's 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 your guess is as good as mine. You, you just don't necessarily know. So, um, I could see Tennessee, you know, maybe coastal, Miami, you know, hopefully it's somewhere where you can drive. But I think it will be one of the lower, uh, lower hosting, you know, teams out there because Tennessee will be regarded as one of the higher two seeds and will be dangerous. And we will finish up with Nashville six one five. What is the best and worst scheduling scenario? for Tennessee to come out of Destin in the spring meetings, Brent? Well, I don't know that they're going to get anything resolved in the spring meetings. This thing's taken on a bit of a life of its own. Uh, when you talk about eight games versus nine games, I think we've all assumed nine. Um, sounds like that there's some people in the SEC says, hey, if we're going to go nine, let's get more TV money uh, because, you know, that TV deal was agreed upon at eight games. Uh, we'll see. You know, do they really want to go back to the table and negotiate with TV right now? Um they're in a good spot, unlike the Big Ten, who's had their issues with TV. What a mess that is. And the Pac-12 can't – I mean, I don't know. That that thing may be on all-access cable. I think, I think Mark, pa- Mark Packer's got a shot. Yeah, I mean, you know, Pac-Man, that Pac-Man Productions might have that that package when it's all said and done. So, I, I don't know how aggressive you're going to be I'm there down. or not going to be. Um, we'll, we'll see. Uh, to answer the first part of his – or the question about what's the best-case scenario – I don't think there's a bad case scenario because it's not going to be from a difficulty standpoint, it's not going to be as bad as what Tennessee has faced the last 10, 12 years. When you're talking about, you know, they're the only school in the league playing Georgia, Alabama, Florida every year. And so there's no scenario out there that I've seen that, that encapsulate Tennessee staying with that murderer's row of scheduling. So I think if you go six and three, eight and one, what, what you know, whatever you end up being on that, um, I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna be any worse than what Tennessee's played the last ten years. We have one more baseball one that I wanted to get in here. I know we're at the end, uh, but you know, the Tennessee baseball team did it just not want to be in Hoover this week with the regional on the line. They had maybe their worst approach at the plate that we've seen all year long. Brent, you and I were talking about this after the game on Tuesday. You know, Tennessee struggles with anyone that can locate their fastball early in account from the left side and then has any type of breaking movement, you know, a slider, a curveball. And you saw it at Georgia with that freshman that was just throwing junk, but he was super effective against Tennessee. And then with this kid from A&M that Tennessee just torched back in March um, and, and, you know, literally had a was having a bad year, 6 ERA. He was elite against Tennessee on Tuesday. I can say, I mean, they weren't going through the motions. They wanted to be there. Tony Vitello certainly took exception to that, to some heckling fans. Um, they wanted to be there. They just they had a horrible day at the office, and I thought the pitching was good enough if you had any type of approach at the plate to, to kind of you know help you win that game, but unfortunately you didn't. So Tennessee wanted to be there. Tennessee wasn't going through the motions. They just, unfortunately, Brent had a, had a rough day away from Lindsey Nelson Stadium, and there's been a couple of those this year, more than a couple. Yeah. Yeah, it's been commonplace when, when you look yeah. at the number of runs. I mean, 79 runs in 19 road games this year, and that includes three games where they were in double figures. Um, I think the more eye-opening stat or more accurate stat is 11 of the 19 road games, they've scored three runs or less on the road. 
Um, no. They've just not consistently, you know, plated runs. And, um, you know, when, when, when you're playing Rob, that old school 10, nine football game in baseball, you know, when you're asking your pitchers, basically don't give up anything, which is what teams did for a while in the sec defensively is, Hey, don't give up anything. And we'll scratch out, you know, three field goals or a, a touchdown and a field goal. You know, that that's, that's hard to do on a consistent basis. You got to be able to score. You got to be able to put some, some runs on, on the board and, away from Lindsey Nelson Stadium. That's just not been Tennessee's forte this year. And, it, and it's just really – I mean, I don't I don't have an answer for it. <laughs> My only observation is it, it's really weird because, you know, I know some road road environments are, can be oppressive, but it's not – you know, it's the hostility from the – from at a, you know, going on the road as far as the crowd, to me anyway, is, is nothing compared to, you know, coming into Neyland as a road team or – or, you know, coming or going into Rupp Arena or, you know, to just being on the road and, and the, the atmosphere to me would, it would seem like baseball would be the, the sport that's least affected by that. And again, that's my opinion from the outside looking in. So that, that, my point being, I, I think that makes it even stranger. You know, athletes are all about routine, all, all, all about, you know, schedules and, you know, all athletes, but especially baseball players. And uh, this team just doesn't like playing and doesn't like their routine altered on the road, it feels like. Um, and, and, and so it's just kind of been one of those things. Plus, I can't play in weather. Um, it's it's proven that a couple times this year, last year. And it was raining, and those jerseys were super heavy on Tuesday. Uh, they, they should have postponed that game well earlier. They let it go as long as they could. So uh, we'll see. Important thing is Tennessee's going to be in the postseason. Tennessee will be one of the highest-rated two seeds. They'll play and. They still have the ingredients to make it out of a regional. That's how this team is built. You've just got to gotta score some runs, and Tennessee certainly didn't score any runs in Hoover. Uh, we'll have Tennessee baseball coverage, as always, over VolQuest.com. A huge recruiting weekend. That is coming up this weekend. AP Matt will be uh, you know, headlining that one, and uh, we'll have tons of uh, coverage of Tennessee's Memorial Day. Matt, what are they calling it? What's the official title? Do we know? Not what we're calling it. What are they calling it? 865 Live, I believe. Okay. So, what, what it's got a little bit butch? better rain to it than Rocky Top Palooza. Uh, was that a Butch? Was that what, what were some of Butch's good ones? Orange Carpet Day. Orange yeah. Carpet Day was a big one. Did he did he win the home run derby that year? Butch? I don't know. I mean they've done everything. They've played paintball, they've had home run derbies. Trash can. They, they, um, they've played putt putt. They have um, Scavenger Hunt last year. They've done all they've done all kinds of things. So um you know, and you have to be creative. I know we kind of joke about that stuff, but I mean, most a lot of these guys have seen here. I mean, you're trying to create a, a family deal, and and you're trying to make it fun and entertaining, and not just hey, let's all get on a golf cart and let's go see the torchbearer, and let's go up to the top of the hill and see Ayers Hall, and let's do a tour of the stadium, and then we'll go to the library, and then we'll come back, and you, you know what I mean? It's it's they got to be. It's got to have more splash to it than that, Matt, to, to get people's attention. You know, I think. In any fan base and any program across the country, you look at things differently than a recruit does, right? I think if you're a fan of Tennessee, you say, oh, you know, they the, the stadium sold out on Sunday. The campus is beautiful. That's not what these, these kids are looking for when they come here. Um, yeah, those are great perks and great added benefits, but they're looking for what you said, Brent. They're looking for family. They're looking for fun and what's it going to be like for the three to four years that they're going to be here inside of that complex. Yeah, I mean, um, and, if and, and that's 
that's, you got to create, you got to, you got to show that, you know, during these big weekends. I think that's the most, by far the most important because I mean, if you're, let's face it, if you're looking at Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, I mean, Clemson, I mean, everybody's got great facilities. Everybody has a great stadium. Every, you know, everybody's got a great indoor complex. I mean, in, at the end of the day, it's, you know, relationships with, with some NIL sprinkled in. I mean, it's not all sunshine and lollipops. 865 Live. I love it. That's coming up this weekend. We'll uh, be covering that. Tons and tons and tons of recruiting coverage over at VolQuest.com on the Journal's Quarters. And uh, go ahead and, and join us over there. If you haven't already, join the family, VolQuest.com. Uh, best news for Tennessee out there. Uh, subscribe and follow us on YouTube as well by searching VolQuest on the YouTube channel. A big thank you to our friends, Exterior Home Solutions, for making this coverage possible. If you have a need for upgrading your home, putting some repairs on there, your siding, your roof, your you know whatever it can be, give them a call for a free consultation. That is Exterior Home Solutions at 865-524-5888. For Brent Hubbs, Rob Lewis, Matt Ray, I am Eric Kane. Appreciate all the questions today, and thanks so much for listening to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast. You've been listening to the VolQuest Mailbag Podcast every week right here on VolQuest. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply.